You are locked into MSR Cast, brought to you by Mainstream Resistance. If you like corporate bullshit, listen to commercial radio. If not, stay tuned. Hi everybody out there, this is Michael Kiske speaking, lead singer of Unisonic and Plaza Vendome and some other projects, and you are listening to MSR Cast. Welcome, my friends, to episode 159 of MSR Cast, the Metal Podcast. This is the annual annual Halloween episode you've been waiting at least five minutes for. Yeah, we're here. We're here finally. It's Halloween, everybody. And I am uh, your co-host, Sean, the Metal Pigeon. And I'm your other guy. I am Carrie G, and I've been here for a long time, and I'm <laughs> not going anywhere. Awesome. So how you been, man? Yeah, I've been good. I understand uh, you've been good, too. You've been on vacation. Yeah, I was on vacation. It's uh, no secret to anybody that listens to this show or Metal Geeks podcast, which is my other show, that um, we, none of us are afraid to dole out our personal information or our lives. Yeah. Just no credit card or anything like that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just turned 40, and we went on a, a the most non-metal cruise you could go on. No, that's... You know what? That's the best way to do it. Um, going on a cruise, going on a vacation, doesn't have to be metal related. You, you know, forty is a big deal. Well, it's not a big deal. No, it's not a big deal. You know, it felt like a big deal coming up to it, but now that I've sort of hit it, it's, I'm still the same guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Are you thinking about it a lot? Um, not really. I don't know. It's weird. It's just now I'm just a decade older than most of my friends. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in a decade old. I'm I'm a decade higher than you, at least. Yeah. So I don't know, man. You know what the cool thing about it is? It's we talked about this on the other show. It's okay. Usually, when you go to a metal concert, you don't really talk to anybody there unless you are already friends with them. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It's like, oh, hey, you're a metalhead. You're at a metal show, but you're in any other fucking situation. You're at a theme park. You're on. You get on a cruise ship. We're getting on the ship, waiting to get through the uh, FAA line and all that. And there's a guy that was a couple of guys in front of us wearing a Burzum t-shirt. Yeah. So like, hey, metal, let's talk. When we hung out for a while on the ship, you know, it's like now we're friends. You know, right. you you pout around. Big out, big shout, yeah, big shout out to Derek, man. <laughs> nice. It's cool. You know, it's it's, it's it, cool situations like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, there's always that. It's it's that weird thing of like, yeah, you see someone wearing like an Easter shirt at the grocery store. You're like, oh. Well, I start. It's like, yeah, you know, people know that band. Everyone, you know, there are metal fans in the world, but seeing uh, metal fans in the wild is something that's still—it's a rare sighting, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's relatively rare, especially when they're metal fans of your stripe, the the, the, yeah. the bands that you listen to. And, and, like and uh, Dave, my co-host on Metal Geeks, made a comment. He's like, "Yeah, we wear our metal shirts to prove how how cool we are." So, yeah. you know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah. like our badge of honor. Yeah. Like, yeah, look at my fucking shirt, man. I don't know. It's cool. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, 
I wish it happens more often, but uh, not a lot of metal fans in Houston, Texas, just out and about, it seems like. Yeah. You go to shows and there's like, you know, hundreds of people there and you're like, where are you in the daytime? Where, where are you? What are you doing? I, I agree, man. So speaking of shows, have you been to any shows recently? Yeah. So um, actually not that long after we recorded the last episode, I went to go uh, see Sonata Artica come through Houston. They were here with uh, Dwayne and Zandria and they were fantastic. I did well, not okay, know what to Which expect. band was fantastic? All of them? Well, okay. They were all good. Sonata Artica was brilliant. I didn't expect that from them. I Because I had always had these, um, I guess, preconceptions in my mind formed by the their YouTube clips of them right. not really sounding that great live because they couldn't pull off um, the backing vocals live. But he was great. Tony Kako is such an amazing front man. And he was just bouncing all over the stage. And he had energy. And he had charisma. And... And he would cover up for the lack of the backing vocals by kind of extenuating his vocal lines. And Mm -hmm. he was so good that he made the songs off the new album that I didn't really like sound like, okay, I can can see why you wrote that song that way. Like X marks the spot. I understand why he wrote that song because he's – when you see him live and you see the way his personality is and and the kind of humor he instills in his jokes in between the songs, that – Seeing that in person now makes me understand their new albums a lot more. It's one of the weirdest transformations I've ever had about like, <sighs> just like uh, what I've gained from seeing a band alive. But really? it, it was amazing. Yeah. And so from from what you're saying, so they don't really take themselves that seriously. So it's more fun. So it's not because I guess when you listen to that album, you're like, what are they doing? It's sort of that sounds fucking ridiculous. Yeah, and I still don't like that song. X marks the spot. <laughs> but I mean, having like, I understand what he's going for. Right. It sounds clunky when you when you hear it on the album. You can sort of understand it more when you see him in context, singing the song and kind of acting out these hand gestures. And he's a very theatrical front man. And uh, I was just impressed. I mean, I was impressed by the way he handled the, the old material too. He didn't he didn't treat like obviously the big news this week is they're re, they're releasing uh, Ecliptica Revisited, which is a re recording of their classic 1999 Ecliptica album. What are the album? I'm, I li- I've listened to it today and a little bit yesterday. Why did they re-record it? Uh, their Japanese label asked them to. <laughs> this is the, oh. the long and short. They got paid for it, basically. Well, they and they were they first they said no, and then they said uh, then they thought about it and they 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 figured well, it would be a nice. It's the 15th anniversary. It would be a nice way to to you know celebrate the album. It makes me f- feel old when you say. 15th anniversary in the album. Oh, it came out in 99. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, that's that, not that it, long ago. It does sort of suck. Because I, I remember getting into that band in 2001, and they were a new band at the time, you know? Yeah. Relatively new band. So, yeah, 15 years, That's that does suck. So they, uh, I, I have to make the joke, so they made a replica of replica? Yeah. Yes. God damn it. <laughs> but, um, so they're, you know, they're really seeing that album, so they were yeah. playing a lot of the new album that night, or of the, of the re-recording. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, I was about to ask you what songs from the career did they play? Um, they were, I mean, they they hit upon like uh, My Land, Full Moon, um, Kingdom of the Hearts, uh, Letter to Dana, and I mean, really, yeah, they were just they were they really went for that that uh, the debut album in, so in a big way. Where were they playing off the new album? Um, they did uh, obviously the the Wolves Die Young, Cloud Factory was the highlight for me in that set because he was. That song, uh, he even described the um, 
the storyline behind the song of like his the town he grew up in in Finland has like these paper mills like on either side of the town and they're these reeking factories and and people who work there and that kind of inspired that song it's like okay i can i can get behind that i can see what where that song's coming from i like the song on the record right live it sounds so much better and it's just i wish i'd gone to the show now man it was it such was... a fun show and, and you know the best part of it was it wasn't just sonata it was yeah Dwayne was good but they had the misfortune of being sandwiched between Sonata and the opening band is Andrea, who were phenomenal, so good. They were so surprising to me, and I they pulled I, it off live. Oh, they were so fantastic! Because they're live. they're hyper kinetic, symphonic, you know, operatic vocally, you know. Yeah, well, they're um, they're the tonic for Nightwish fans who miss Taria. Really, uh-huh. they're uh, they're so good though, and their their vocalist uh, was a woman named uh, is a lady named Diane Van Giersbergen. And um, not even exaggerating, was the prettiest woman I've ever seen in person in my life. Period. I don't think he's exaggerating. You're not. You don't see. He's like blushing over here. The, the, she came out on stage, and I looked to the guy. Uh, the guys on the left and to the right, and every one of them had this kind of slack jawed, open mouth, gaping, like just stunned deer in the headlights look when they were gazing up at her on stage. I was like, yeah, that that's about right. She was fantastic. She's a great singer, good stage presence, and the band was amazing. I uh, ran into them after the show and was just babbling like an like an <laughs> idiot about how much how great they Did were. Did you fanboy on them? And well, they, they were uh, th- those guys were great because they were really surprised. Like, whoa, you because everyone was just passing them by, wanting to meet yeah. Dwayne, and no one really wanted to talk to him. And it's like I'm not a, I don't really know if I like Delane enough. I don't really know if I've heard him enough. You know what I mean? Um, Delane is like uh, the the new album uh, they released earlier this year was the first time I actually said okay I can I, I I like this I can get behind this a little bit okay everything they've done in the past I've just been very uh, meh on you know but they finally come across a, a songwriting style that I can kind of go okay I, you guys are getting a little bit more uh, uh, ambitious with your songwriting and I and I can appreciate that. Cool. Well, I also uh, saw the show in uh, in the past couple weeks, and it was actually last night. But before we get to that, let's go ahead and play something from the the revisited Ecliptica album from Sonata Arctica. What song did you pick out that it really fits into our yeah our Halloween motif tonight? Yeah. So so the song is Full Moon, and okay, here's here's I'm writing this article about Sonata Arctica on the MetalPigeon.com right now. That's that's sort of touches on this weird dichotomy in Sonata Arctica where it's like you listen to the album it's very emotional sounding you think he must be talking about a girl right he must be talking about a romance or a failed relationship no this is a song about a man who turns into a werewolf and has to go hide in the field so his wife or girlfriend won't get killed by him when he transforms that's love though <laughs> if, you, if you love somebody enough to not want to kill them that's true love this is the song it's 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 about a werewolf. <laughs> I, I used to listen to this song before I read the lyrics, and I would go, "Man, he's he's so emotive. This is so great. Like this guy, just who is this guy? Tony Kaka." And then I, I finally read the lyrics one day a long time ago, and it's just like, "Really?" You know, there's the same guy that actually that also sang the Pokemon theme song. Yeah. So let's not give him too much credit. Fair. All right, let's get into the Sonata Arctica song. We'll be right back. 
light come in from the window, window. It'll all collapse tonight. The full moon is here again. In sickness and in health. Understanding to demand it.
Welcome back to MSRCast. We just listened to some Sonata Arctica from the uh, revisited, re-recorded, re-moneyed Ecliptica. Re-moneyed. Re-moneyed. That's, that's the word right there. Yeah. It wasn't done out of necessity like some bands do. Like Ice Earth had to re-record their old stuff with new vocalists and all that, but yeah. But you know, it's almost... I, I, it's almost better that it wasn't done out of necessity. It's almost, uh, and I'll tell you what, just from a, a couple of times I've gone through the out, the, the re-recording, it's, there are parts where I miss the way the old songs were recorded, mm-hmm. but there are additions that he does that are based upon the way he sings the songs live that I think actually work a little bit better. And sometimes I think, well, you're, you're missing the most emotive note of the song. You're not, you're not layering up the vocals where they were normally layered. It's okay, you know. It's a re-recording. It's just like a different. It's a. It's it's their live interpretation put on a studio version. Basically. And it gave them the excuse to do a Genesis cover. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a good one. I can't dance. Which I saw. You know, I don't know how I feel about that cover. I saw it to be a little bit better. I mean, I like that they went for the the poppiest or one of the poppiest <laughs> Genesis songs they could go for. Yeah. As opposed to like the prog stuff from the seventies or something. Well, yeah. Most people that cover Genesis are going to do that. Yeah. The poppy, you know, I can't dance or land of confusion or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Which, you know, it's still, it's still a little prog like for a rock song. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's it definitely. Cool. Yeah. Genesis were way ahead of their time, but we're not talking about Genesis tonight. Sonata has a great history of covers and this is just one of the weirder additions to their, their long, long, long list of covers they've done. And you and me are are both really big fans of strange covers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I saw a concert actually just last evening. As of, as of recording, I, um, I almost didn't go to the show. I didn't know how I really felt about it, but I went and saw one of my favorite bands. I went and saw Guar. Yeah. And guess what? Good time? It was Guartastic. Guartastic. I, you know, I didn't know how I was going to feel about the show was, you know, Dave Brocky gone now, Yeah, but, um, it was weird. Okay. So the basic premise of their new stage show is Odorous gets captured and they spend the majority of the show trying to locate him. <laughs> so they have like a time machine and they have the, one of the, uh, scum dogs comes on stage and starts singing, which turns out to be their new vocalist, which his, um, name in the band is Blosar, B-L-O-T-H-A-R. And it's a cool little costume, man. Yeah. Um, but it's not his first time in the band. Um, this is the original Beefcake the Mighty. He now has rejoined the band as a new character. Huh. Which is cool because there's a couple times where he actually sang some of the old, you know, beefcake songs right. from his era, which is cool. And then there's one point where the new beefcake came out and sang a sang a track and he got on the bass and was playing bass. Yeah, it's the the uh, the clip you showed me sounded great. And they also have a new vocalist as well. They have a second vocalist. Uh her name is uh let's see, Volvatron. And Yeah. <laughs> Somebody was trying to tell me last night that oh it's oh it's uh, Dave Brocky's daughter I don't believe that uh, her name is Kim Dilla and apparently she's helped them with costumes and all that kind of stuff for a long time that well, that's pretty cool so now she's in the band with Volvatron and she has these big fake boobies at one point she um, pulls off her the front and nipples are hanging out and shooting blood out of her tits yeah, everywhere that's to be expected. 
Yeah, I mean, as long as you're going to have another female in the band, you have to have... You might as well do something. Bloody tits, you know what I mean? In that vein, yeah. Ah, I see what you yeah. did there in that vein. <laughs> Halloween episode. Halloween episode, yes. No, it was cool, though. I mean, they played um, they played some good tracks. They played... I mean, Gorgor came out. I, was, I wasn't expecting Gorgor to actually be coming out, but... I like how they, they incorporated... Um, uh, Dave Brocky and the the stage show and like you know kind of like a tribute. Yeah, they did a lot. The whole show was really a tribute because the beginning, the first song was actually say sung by Odorous. It was like on this like a magic mirror type of screen, huh. and he was like lost in like the spacing. And that's cool. And um, it, towards the end, it got sort of emotional for me. It was I've never. It, it was. I mean, everybody you could you could feel it. They play the road behind. And there was like a really emotional performance of it. Everybody was like, because they they played it in tribute to Dave, to Odorous. And, you know, they were singing Odorous in the track and all that kind of stuff. Instead of, you know, I, they were saying he and this kind of stuff. So it was a very much yeah. a tribute. That's cool. And then they played that song, The People Who Died, All My Friends Have Died, Who've Died. You know that song? Uh, no. And then they played a Pet Shops Boys cover. Oh, which one? Um, Weston Boys. Oh, wow. Yeah, I have a little bit of that on my, my phone. I'll have to let you hear. It was huh. very, I was like, okay, why are they <laughs> doing the Pet cool. Shop Boys? But there you go. Especially Speaking of weird cover songs. Yeah. But it was a, it was a good show. I mean, if you are a Gore fan, um, they're still around, man. I mean, it's this is the thing about the band. They're characters. It's never been about one person in the band, even though Dave or Odorous was sort of like the mouthpiece. He was uh, the front man of the band. It was always about all the characters, and they're just continuing that on. But at one point, they were trying to save him out of the uh, like the time machine, and they thought they found him, but they actually just pulled out the uh, the cuttlefish of Cthulhu, so his penis. <laughs> and then they were like, it was like shooting blood and semen everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So they still got his 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 uh, giant cock out, as they said on the show <laughs> during the show. So I don't know if you uh, if they come to your town and you're a fan of Guar, don't be afraid to go see the show because it's still a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. And you don't, will don't get, be afraid. You don't be afraid. Be, be, you're just a ticket buyer. Don't be afraid. So uh, as we continue on, <laughs> right? Wear a white shirt, definitely. Yeah. Um, as we continue on, there's a little bit of a tribute to. Uh, to Odorous, to Dave Brocky. Let's play something from the last Gore album that came out uh, not too long ago. It was like 2000, came out this year. Um, let's see. Earlier this year, yeah. The album was called Battle Maximus. And let's play a track that um, they played at the show live last night. Let's play uh, Bloodbath. Cool. Something that fits right into our Halloween. Holiday appropriate. Holiday appropriate. Exactly. Thank you. 
Welcome back to the MSR cast, episode 159. You were just listening to Guar Bloodbath. Bloodbath. Man, I uh, I gotta tell you, the last time I listened to a Guar, I think we talked about this a couple episodes ago, but the last time I listened to a Guar album was a few years ago. Yeah. And it was the album with uh, uh, Ragnarok. Ragnarok comes to oh, town. That was like late Ragnarok 90s, and Roll. Ragnarok. Yeah. yeah, that's such a great song. Yes. <laughs> did they play that last night? No, they did not play oh. any. Yeah, they did not play Ragnarok. Nothing from that album. Um, I'm having a hard time. They did play some songs off of like Scum Dogs and that era. They play like Horror of Yig. I love that song. Huh. They 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 did a wide variety of tracks. Let's just put it that way. It was yeah, cool. that's cool. But yeah, I mean, I gotta admit, you know, they've gotten better and better and better, you know, like better musicians. I mean, they're oh, yeah. musically well, so much better than they used to be. Yeah, that that video you sh- you were showing me that sounded great. It was yeah. like, wow, that's complex uh, oh, yeah. arrangements and riffing, and yeah. Oh yeah, dude. If people, you know, don't give them enough credit. Where where at least that is due because they're sort of a novelty style band. Yeah, but you know, there's there's a place for everybody. Yeah. Except some bands that are novelty, but we're not going in there. <laughs> lordy, lordy, lordy. Oh, yeah. God, whatever happened to those guys? They just put a new album out. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair? Mm. But we're, we're moving on. Yeah. Well, let's just leave it at that. <laughs> let's talk about other new releases. Um, You know, the big one that came out this past week was uh, the new Amaranth album. Now... Is that, is that really the big one? It was. Okay. I mean... No matter how much certain people are going to be really bothered by the fact that this band is still around, they're a big deal in metal now. They sell enough to be considered a big deal in there. I mean, they were in town last night. Yeah, they were. And they um, played at the House of Blues. I mean, it's a huge venue for a band like that to solo on their own, you know? Yeah, one of my uh, one of my friend's bands, of course, we've played on the show and we've interviewed before, Ocean of the Slumber, got a last-minute gig to open up for, which that's, was really that's cool. That's cool, yeah. I didn't make it out to the show myself, but um, uh, you know, I, I, I published a review of their album today. Um, you know, uh, the funny thing is that I've been reading interviews with them and press releases and stuff, and um, noticing that they're using this tag uh, of EDM slash metal or EDM meets metal, electronic dance music meets metal. Uh, I don't, and I called them out in my review. I said that's kind of a misnomer because. There's not, you're not using EDM elements in your music as being interwoven parts of your music. You're using it as it's it's coming from the production. So it's like yeah. you're basically writing these really hooky rock metal songs. Okay, that's fine, but you're you're using EDM as a tag to deflect criticism. And I guess that's okay, but it's not really accurate to call your band EDM. It's trying it's to pull those fans into. This band that are usually are in the, maybe in the metal that are into like EDM that kind of stuff. But I don't even know if it is because I, I mean, look, here, I if know. you if you went to Ibiza and you went to like some you know some ED, some major EDM venue in Ibiza or something, you would not hear anyone no like talking or, or or listening to Amaranth. It's just not like the they're not reaching those circles. They're reaching the same fans of Lacuna Coil and Within Temptation and. And they're, yeah, they're hitting that mall metal. Yeah, exactly. Like mindset, but you know, I I listened to him because you know you, you wanted to play him on the show and well, because I think they're. I, here's the thing, it's hard to not like their songs in terms of just 
a junk food candy, musical candy way. They're super sugary, super overproduced. Yes. And there's, there's a, okay, there is a place for that sometimes. But yeah. I, I, I love me some sugary power metal, you know? Right, but, yeah. And they well, do have a little bit of, I listen to it, they do have a little bit, one of the vocalists has a little bit of a power metal style to his vocals. Yeah, well, um, Jake, Jakey Berg used to be the singer in Dream, in Dream Evil. He was uh, a fill-in between vocalists for the tour. He oh. never recorded with them. Wow. He has a power metal past. He's been in power metal bands exclusively. Olaf Mork is the other founder of the band, the co-founder, and okay. he's, he was the guitarist. Well, actually, he still is the guitarist in Dragonland. Oh, really? Um, they were that power metal band. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've done some good stuff, but they're most famous for their cover of uh, The NeverEnding Story, the power yeah. metal cover for that. Right. Uh, he's also the guitarist in Night Rage, after Thomas Lindbergh left the band. Really? Uh, so he has a kind of a metal a of, death past. He has a little a, credit. Yeah, he little, has. A little street cred. Yeah, I mean, Amaranth is basically their project that they kind of dreamed up together when they met Elise Reed, and they kind of figured, like, wow, this is something we could do that maybe will get some attention finally. Like, we've been toiling in relative obscurity for the most of our careers in metal, and it worked. That This is their full-time job now, like, whereas before they would they would just, you know, release albums and no one would care. <laughs> you know, Jakey Burke has some side projects that no one ever listened, like, that I can't even find copies of. Right. So it's like, okay, I, I don't begrudge them creating the band. But I, I am, uh, their marketing approach bothers me. If you've ever watched any of their music videos, these, these Patrick Uleas, uh mm. Revolver Film Company yeah. directed affairs where it's it's pyrotechnics in your face every five seconds. Pyro and, and then weird camera cuts and special effects to the camera. And stupid plots to their, <laughs> their videos. Like the, there was a video for a song called Invincible from their last album where they were being... Like they were like it was like some kind of version of the Matrix, like the Amaranth take on the is, Matrix. Is there any twerking in their videos? No twerking, not yet. Well, okay, I take that back. Uh, Elise Reed does do some twerking, like dance moves, in her newest video uh, for um, Drop Dead Cynical. Some weird dance moves. Wow, not okay. twerking quite, but close enough. If you're shaking your butt, you're you're twerking. Yeah, I don't do that. I mean, they're they're just a they're an interesting band because um, they inspire so much hatred. You know, you can't find a review online of these guys that doesn't have people bickering about them. And uh, for that reason alone, they're kind of worth talking about. You know, and and you can't deny it, they're super catchy. They write super yeah. catchy songs. Okay, I I have I, a song of theirs in my head right now. I can't get it out. I will sort of. Um... Be, well, we'll just have to agree to disagree there because yeah, I, I would agree they're very sugary, they're very blah blah blah. But I didn't find them that mesmerizing as you do. Well, it's, that, I don't have their music stuck in my head, and I did listen to the album. Yeah, but but it's 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 not supposed to be mesmerizing so much as it's supposed to be just sort of. Mm-hmm. Like, well, it's not stuck in my head. Let me put it that way. It's it's okay. Yeah, it's not. It's not in my memory. And I think that I think that basically means like different people have different pop tolerances, especially as metal fans. Yeah. And so for me, I, I'm I'm a guy who in the last episode I freely admitted to loving ABBA. And so they I sort like some of, ABBA. And they sort of hit my ABBA bone where it's like, okay, I, I appreciate the writing. Did you call you say you had an ABBA boner? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. They <laughs> I don't wanna Okay. I think the show is over now. 
we just end. <laughs> just, there's no <laughs> there's, more MSR. <laughs> that's it. Blah. Go to go to dead quiet now. Um, I, you know, I feel like they hit that same. Uh, that, Don't say boner again. They they hit that same uh, sweet spot for me where it's like. I love a good chorus. I love the writing of a good chorus. And yeah. I like the the delivery of good harmony vocals, and that's what they do, you know? I'll, I'll, I'll give it another listen, too. Um, it's on Spotify now, so if you yeah. want to give it give it a shot, you don't have to waste any money on it. You just listen to it for free. Yeah, and there's no reason to go into albums blind these days with Spotify yeah, and YouTube. Yeah, it's really not. Yeah. Well, let's not get into Spotify, because that's a whole other topic for a whole full episode. We need to, We need to talk about Spotify one day, then. Uh, let's talk about some other new releases that came out in October. Since we're almost to the end of October, let's talk about. Um, well, you know, the last episode we talked about, we were touching on um, uh, how we had not listened, or at least I had not listened right. to the complete new Sanctuary album. I have. Now I have. And I've interviewed them a few months ago, so like yeah. three episodes ago now. Yeah. So, yeah, right before they. I interviewed them right before I even heard the full album. So, right. Which yeah. was. And they they called that out during the interview, like you haven't even heard it yet. What's up with these American? You know, it's weird. How come people in Europe have heard it? you haven't? Oh, I I have heard some stories about the nuclear blast press. Yeah, I, oh, operation. I'm not going there. Okay, well, I love them. Ding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Edit this part out. Anyway, um, <laughs> so you know what? I like the album. I love the album. And I'm not bothered by the nevermoreness of the album so much as I was when I just heard those first two songs. Mm-hmm. Um, because I just think, like, ah, oh, you know what? It is a good album, and it's different enough throughout the album. It's varied enough. It doesn't yeah. sound like old uh, Sanctuary, but it doesn't really need to. It doesn't really sound like old Nevermore either. Uh, there no. There's something it, new going on there. It's a mixture, but... If you go into it expecting it to be an old school, you know, late '80s thrash album, it's definitely not that. No, furthest thing from it's it's well it's well fucking produced. I mean, the drum sound on this album is yeah. phenomenal. I love the drums on this. And it's album. definitely the heavy. It's, it's heavier than the past two or three Nevermore albums. I, I mean that. Um, you know, there are parts yeah, of maybe. it that are just straight ahead, just like. Ah, super heavy, and and you can tell that's like a nod to towards the sanctuary vein. It's it's a really it's a really killer album. Um, I still can't arise and purify the first track on the album. It, it that gets stuck in my head. That's the best song on the album. Yeah, I I don't know. There's some really good song. That frozen that song, is such a good song. <laughs> that frozen song. It inspired me to do. Um, this is weird. Go with me here. Um, an episode of this show. Only playing music, talking about snow. Oh, I'm down. I already have a couple ideas. I in my have mind. too. <laughs> so that's we, the, we could just play the entire Immortal at the Heart of Winter. <laughs> <laughs> yep. There's a there's a couple of really good you know cold tracks out there. Yeah. But yeah, that might be something in the future. Yeah. To get to it. That'd yeah. Cool. When it when it's actually cold in in this city where we record, we'll so do that next five years or Next, so. <laughs> yeah yeah a couple years from now but yeah i mean uh it's a really good album um and i really love the cover of the doors i do at the very end yeah that's that's a good one i i, I always love the way he sort of manipulates and makes it his own you know yeah so what else came out this uh this month um we're gonna play something from the brand new exodus album which we'll talk about before we play it, because I'm really excited for that. Yeah. Um, There's also the Scar Symmetry yeah. uh, album, which I've been listening to a lot in the past week. I have too. Um, I, I do enjoy it 
on the surface oval. I'm not really sure what my overall opinion on it is because there is something, I mean, they have changed as a band. And sometimes I wonder if it's been entirely for the better. And that's coming from a guy who, you know, a self-professed power metal guy. (laughs) But sometimes I do um, think it's gotten a little too antiseptic, if that makes any sense. You know, it's gotten a little too clean. Sure. I I could see that. I mean, Pitch Black Progress was, it's one of my top 10 metal albums of all time. Oh, wow. Just about. It's it's a near perfect album. This is definitely not a near perfect album, but it's a lot of fun. And I think my wife pointed something out to me. We're listening to it in the car one day and she said, you know why you really like this album? And I had no, I could not figure it out. She's like, because there's so much power metal in this album. Yeah, there really is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, (laughs) but I mean, are you disturbed about what that says about your listening taste? No, no. no. But I mean, not at all. Um, If anybody ever listened to the show, you know I'm a power metal nerd, just like you are. But I I enjoy some heavy fucking vocals, and they bring that that deep growl, the articulate deep growl that I'm such a fan of. Yeah, yeah. I. I don't know. I, I need to keep listening to this album because I, it's I'm to a point where I I I, don't, I wouldn't even know what to write about if I wanted to review it. So that usually indicates to me that I'm, I'm I haven't formed an opinion yet. But I I do enjoy it when I listen to it. There are just parts of it I'll admit that I sort of tune out on. Well, apparently this and, is the first part of a three part trilogy. So oh uh, okay. They don't just say phase one just to be clever. They, they're, they're, apparently they, they <laughs> yeah. they're they're apparently going to make th- uh, this is a three part album so let's uh let's let everybody listen to a track from this album uh we both sort of picked the same song yeah it's uh, one of the shorter tracks on the album it's called limits to infinity and it really encapsulate encapsulates encapsulate yeah that that word um really where the band is nowadays so let's uh, hear the song and we'll be right back Thank you. 
some scar symmetry for you sounded good it sounded like scar symmetry man yeah just a little bit different yeah i don't know it's good yeah i need to keep listening to the album basically yep so uh what else came out recently what have you been jamming um okay so i've been listening to a lot of the uh new album by while heaven wept yes i have too actually i um it's too early for me to make a call on that because that band sounds very unique. They've been around for a long time. Uh, yeah, no, they've been around for a while. They're only just getting that kind of notoriety with the, you know. I mean, originally they were they were definitely more doom metal. You yeah, can't really call yeah. them sort of doom metal on this album, per se. No, they're more progressive uh, metal influenced. There are times with that vocalist that sometimes I feel like I'm listening to Dream Theater. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. I, I, I you know, I'm just, it's a point of reference. Um I, I, I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna save judgment for the next episode. We'll talk about that, and, and I'm, I'm sure we're gonna be going on endlessly about the new At the Gates album, which is on the eve of being released. And, yes, uh, it comes out uh, this week, right? Yeah, yeah. And another album that comes out, uh, well, yeah, this week is Devin Townsend Z2, which is it's a double album. One album is a new Devin Townsend project, and the other other side of the album is the brand new Ziltoid Two sequel. So that's so they're not connected. No, one of them's they're totally concept. different albums. So one of them's a concept album. So why is he doing both at the same time? I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, that's. I don't know why they're released together, but they're the version that I am ordering off of like Amazon and places like that. Yeah, it's a three CD version, and the third CD is actually the music. From the Ziltoid album, without all the um, the lyric, not the lyrics, but oh, the, like the it, voiceover and yeah. all the, without all the um, the what's Little, the word I'm looking uh, for? All the skits and stuff skits, that are mixed yeah. into the music. Yeah, it's the it's the mix of Blind Guardian's Nightfall and Middle Earth you make for your iPod without all the little you yeah. know little well, thirty second cut tracks and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I've really listened. I really like the Devin Townsend Project album more than the the sequel to Ziltoid. I don't know. The sequel <sighs> I wonder why he That was recorded, a big sigh. I wonder why he recorded did he record both at the same time? Yes. 
Ah, that's interesting. I wonder if he's getting credit for two albums on whatever contract he signed. That's interesting. <laughs> I don't know. It's I don't know. That's a good question. We're the uh, the Devin Townsend project album is called Sky Blue, and it, of course it features Annika Van Giersbergen again. Um, another Van Giersbergen. Another Van Giersbergen. Yeah, exactly. That must be. A, it's just a really popular name. Yeah. Like it's like Smiths over there. So why don't why don't you like the, what's what about the the Zeltoid side? Do you not enjoy? It no, I don't say. I'm not saying I don't enjoy it. It's just you know. <laughs> It's like a, a sequel to a movie that really didn't need to be made type okay. of deal. You know what I mean? No, yeah. But you still enjoy it, but it, after you watch it, you're like, did I really need to see that? Yeah. I sort yeah. of felt that way about the Ziltoid 2 album, but I'm going to go back and listen to it again and again. But as, as I have a Ziltoid hand puppet staring at me right now going, <laughs> watch your mouth, motherfucker. It could always be worse. It could always be as bad as like Operation Mindcrime 2. Mm. So, you know. Yeah. You got a good point there. Anything with Jeff Tate could be, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow, I don't know. It's uh, it it's cool. I mean, it's um, the storyline for the Ziltoid is not horrible. It's you know, it's cool because like before they were doing a thing, they had like a where you could send in your your recorded track to Devin, and he would incorporate that into the album, and he definitely does. It makes it he makes the choirs in the album out of the fans actually sending in their musical tracks. Oh, that sounds cool. Which is sort of cool, yeah. you know? Does it sound clunky or disjointed? No, it sounds that? really good, actually. Huh. It's not saying that, you know, Devin's a, a, a mastermind, but, you know, he is. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it does feature some, um, you know, special guest on it. On the album, of course, like I said, Annika von Giersbergen. But it also features Chris Jericho. Is one uh, of the main characters. That's pretty cool. Is yeah. he just like? Is he singing actually? Or uh... um, I don't believe he ever sang, but he's like one of the voices. He's okay. Captain Spectacular. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh man, I, I'm going to cut in really quick because the the another thing you're going to interrupt me. To, yes, <laughs> because how rude. Because you were mentioned guest vocal yeah. guest voices, and we were talking about Tony Kako earlier. Yeah. And so I went back and I re-listened to the well, I actually listened for the first time in a way to the. Um, to almost whole pain and soul album that he did last year, uh, the life and times of Scrooge. McDuck. Oh yeah, 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 the Scrooge McDuck album. Yeah, what, it was. It's like the it's like the soundtrack based on the graphic novel done by Don Rosa. Right, Don. I'm going to interrupt you real quick. Yeah, yeah. I wa- I tried so hard to order that album before Comic Palooza this year because uh-huh. Don Rosa was there. Oh wow! And I wanted him to autograph that album for me. Oh, that would been. He'd cool. probably been the only one to be like to bring that up to him. Yeah, yeah. Like really, right. <laughs> No, but um, so I've been listening to this album, and I'm getting it's it's sucking me in. Like he's, I don't know why I just didn't listen to it when it came out, but I had heard the single that came off of it, the video, uh, a lifetime of, uh, yeah, of whatever it was, and it was such a good song, and I was just like, okay, that's lifetime he's a, of he's adventure. He's a keyboardist from Nightwish, right? Nightwish, yeah. yeah. And the song "Lifetime of Adventure" it's such a good, catchy, dreamy sort of Enya like pop song. And then the rest of the album is just instrumental. Mm-hmm. And but he does have narration from Tony Kako, who talks about he's I guess he's portraying the voice of Scrooge or something. And the whole album, if you're into if you need something that's just like a calm down, very varied Western um, influenced uh, like Western spaghetti Western music influenced uh, album of instrumental music. Check that out because it's such a it's such a I, I can't even describe what it is but it's such a magical feeling album like uh, 
it, it, it reminds you of Disney in the best possible way. Like, well, I think that's probably what he was going for. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and it and it's sort of one of those albums where I, I can put on at nighttime and it kind of calms me down after I've been listening to a lot of aggressive stuff. Yeah. You know? so, yeah, no, I, I totally feel you. Yeah. Um, but going back before we move away real quick to the uh, Devin Townsend project, the the one song, have you heard the album yet? No, no. There's a track on there called Silent Militia, which is completely different than anything they've ever done before. There's a lot of... This album is definitely more poppy in nature than a lot of his stuff, but it's a really good track, and yeah. I would, I'd really feel remiss if we didn't play it. Okay. So, um, yeah, here's a, a a great track. Here's a great track from the brand new Devin Townsend project. This song is called "Silent Militia."
And there you have it. There is something from the brand new Devin Townsend project that is from the album uh, Disc 1 of Z2 uh, called Sky Blue. And that was a track called Silent Militia featuring Annika von Gersbergen. Yeah, she sounds so good still. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's she's still got it, man. It makes me miss The Gathering. I I really like that band. They just well, they're still around. They just have different vocalists. Yeah. And they just apparently uh, they did a reunion show with her, which I would have loved to see. So she played. I don't know. if She did the whole show, but she came in and sang some songs with them huh. on her anniversary show somewhere. I have to look up. More she's not back in the band. Though. No, she's not back in the band. No, she's still doing her thing. You know that. She's like a full-time member of Devin Townsend, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I, have, you, have you heard her solo albums? I have. They're, they they're, they're quite different. They're good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's the brand new Devin Townsend. And there, you know, we might go into it a little bit further in another episode because there's a couple tracks from Z2 that I wouldn't mind I'm going to make playing. a point of listening to, to this album, yeah. But uh, let's see what else. You know, something we need to talk about that uh, I'm not. We're we're neither of us are really huge fans of this band, but it's it's in the Z, the zeitgeist of metal right now. Uh, it's uh the the brand new Slipknot album. Yeah, it's uh what called it's uh, Slipknot. Uh, let's see, five the great chapters because I guess Paul Gray is a bass player that passed away. Yeah, yeah. So uh, never really been. Uh, one for the the good title is this band, but um, I guess it works. <laughs> I've never been a huge fan of, of Slipknot. I mean, they're good at what they do, and yeah, this album is definitely more of the same. More of the same from their from their fourth album, uh, where they where they started to really introduce predominance of Queen vocals. You know, he's a good singer. Yeah, he's a great. Um, he has a good singing voice. His um, his harsher. I'm not. I'm not a big fan of the way his style. I, I I look at um, Slipknot oddly enough in the same way I view Amaranth as they're a good gateway band for people to get into metal. Sure, yeah. So someone who listens to Slipknot can um, go, okay, well, you know, I want something else like this. I, I'm, I'm bored of listening to the same album. What's a band like this? And the, someone passes them on to, I don't know, At The Gates or something like that or whatever. Um, something, yeah. Something, anything heavier or, or more extreme or more underground. And Amaranth the same way, you know, it's someone who gets hooked into them could be like... It's like, it's like marijuana. It's like, oh, Elise Reed sings with this band named Camelot. I'm always Camelot. I'm going to go check them out. And they become a fan of Camelot and they get onto yeah. heavier stuff and, you know, whatever. It's a good... Metal needs gateway bands to survive and to progress sure. and to incorporate new fans. Uh, yeah, I agree. Because metal needs those bands that are that are higher in the echelon of, okay... I'm not a real metal fan, but okay, I like this. What else is like? What else is like this? Point of entry bands, basically, because you don't you don't just go from zero to emperors. And I just gave you the thumbs up, like everybody in the podcast can see that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, uh, but yeah, you don't go from zero to listening to, um, you know, uh, the newest Take release or the new, yeah. or, you know, or an Emperor album, where you don't go listen to the new Watain album, going like, like. Uh, yeah, this is my first introduction to metal. You're gonna hate it. So right. you need you need those step ups and stuff. And I agree, but you know, I listen to this this album as again I listen to a lot of new releases through Spotify when I'm sitting at work or something. Uh, there was one track on here, man, that really it just drew my attention. The track is called Kill Pop. Yeah, and it just has such a haunting chorus. And I was listening to it again today when I was playing for you, and I listened to the yeah. lyrics, and it's about a guy that's really in love with like a celebrity or something. This is what I get it from the lyrics. And the only thing he can do is try is kill her. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, and it's very haunting. It's like in the, about how she needs to love him and all this kind of stuff. And just the way he sings that chorus and the way the double bass is going behind it. And it's just, it's, it's a really good song. It, it, it sounded good. Um, maybe this makes me sound like a curmudgeon or something, but get off my lawn. You know, like the, 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 the their subject matter and, yeah. and like, so not songs or albums or whatever. I think it's, I could see it hitting someone who was like a teenager, like a lot more directly than it would hit us, you know? Because well, that's who, that's who it was designed for. You know yeah. What I mean? You know, it's like, for me, it's just like that stuff comes off as like, uh, like, okay, I, I, that's, I can appreciate the artistry behind it and I can appreciate good storytelling through lyrical writing and things like that. But it doesn't really, it doesn't grip me that much. I don't know. I, maybe that, I guess that does make me sound curmudgeon. <laughs> that's okay. We're <laughs> curmudgeon We're old. Okay. So uh, a couple, just before we go into something from the brand new Exodus, which we'll get into, um, a couple new releases coming out this month. Uh, we are looking forward to the new Abysmal Dawn, uh, the new Anal Natrak. I never know if I can say that name correctly. I think you got it. You got it. That's got pretty it. much it. Uh, of course, new At The Gate is coming out this week. Yeah. Uh, new Obituary, which I've heard, and it's really fucking good. Oh, we'll really? have to play something soon off that. That's, that kind of went under my radar. I didn't even know they had a new album coming out. Yeah. Um, and let's see. That's pretty much about it. I'm not a big Unearthed fan, so we'll skip that. Yeah. But, you know, you got um, next month, you got something... Uh, the Skull finally has their debut release album, which is Eric Wagner from Trouble. Okay, really yeah. Looking forward to that. Uh, yeah, I was wondering why that sounded familiar. Um, let's see. Uh, ne Oblivious Garis. I can never say their name correctly. Huh. They're an uh, Australian band. Really fucking brilliant. I actually listened to a, a web uh, stream of it today. Really, something you would really dig. Okay. Uh, let's see. There's a new Machine Head. We're look, we got to look forward to the new Bloodbath coming out. Yes. Yes. Hey, on that machine head front, how about that guy calling out Alexi Leo? Okay, the I way don't. He did? Okay, I saw you put this on the show notes. I don't know much about this. Okay, I know Rob Flynn is well, is not, super ego dude and all that. Yeah. But. So the, he they canceled a tour because it was supposed to be Machine Head, um, Children of Bodom with Epica and with Epica and somebody else. Somebody uh, doesn't matter. Yeah, and so. The, Machine Head, of course, they they're in charge of the tour. They're the headliner. They canceled the tour. Right. Their reason because they were wanted to finish the they album. Want, they wanted more studio time, so you don't book a tour until you unless you know like oh yeah we're gonna have the album or we're gonna have our studio yeah what a work finished by this date. It's irresponsible. Yes, agreed. And so, okay, on the the Children of Bodom fans were I guess angry on their message board and. Alexi Leho posted a message to his fans saying, like, listen, you know, this is what happened. That's, you know, we don't have any control over it. We're sorry. Can't they just continue on the tour? Well, they couldn't because I guess it was the venues were booked on the basis of, you know. Machine Head. Machine Head. Yeah, I gotcha. And so, you know, basically the tour got canceled and Jordan Bodum, all he did was say, look, we're sorry. This is what happened. Um so and his fans, I guess you know, fans are going to take it however they're going to take it. They're going to say whatever they're going to say, like whether they're saying "screw Machine Head" or whatever. That wasn't what he said, but what Rob Flynn took it as was a slight against him by Alexi Leho, which is like the most third grade childish response you can possibly imagine. And he basically called him out in in this profanity laced tirade against uh, Alexi Leho. Then just it's like. 
how you're, you're like, you're 47 years old and you're, you're, you're the way that the, 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 the letter or the open letter or whatever it was phrased or written that it just, it made him sound like he was in middle school, basically, you know, I'm actually Googling this right now. Cause I, I want to read this. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is it's high just, school bullshit, but it's stupid and it, it's not really even worth giving the guy that much attention, but it makes me, it's one of those, the side effect is that I'm a little bit, uh, I don't know. I never had anything against Machine Head, but now I'm sort of just like, okay, you, you know, whatever this album is, it better be pretty awesome for you to have justified canceling a tour. The last Machine Head album that was worth caring about was in 2007, um, The Blackening. That was a good album. Mm-hmm. The the one they released after that wasn't so much. Yeah. <laughs> so that, yeah, I I agree because I, I burn my eyes. I love that album. That's such a great thrash album. Yes. Yes. Okay. So uh, I pulled this up. Uh, apparently, you know, after the tour got canceled, you're right. Alexi Leho just went on the Facebook page to vent. Basically, you know, and said, "Oh, we're unhappy. Some ang- some this shit happened." He wanted to write some angry shit music and blah blah blah. He apologized to the fans for letting him down, and apparently <laughs> Flynn took t- to his Facebook page and said, you know, the hate crew has been out in full force and, you know, in light of the U.S. tour being canceled. He said it's typical shit-talking, um, you know, and the fans the fans are really the ones that really took it to the level because the fans are like, oh, our, we're better than your fans and all this kind of shit. Yeah, but, you know, like, it's like, yeah, your fan bases can talk about other fan bases, but what did what did Alexi Leho ever say? directly towards you no he never said rob flynn you're a dick or anything so here's uh rob flynn's response he said um this is a quote unquote unquote most people usually need the motivation to act like fools and alexi's little bitch ass response certainly got the hate crew fired up he had a hate crew more like alexi ain't that great crew i mean really this is childish right here yeah more like bought a ticket too late crew more like it's not my fault you're a virgin and can't get a date crew I mean, really what <laughs> come on i mean i'm not a huge children of boredom fan myself but come on yeah I... i've heard the new the new machine head one of the tracks and yeah i should have spent some more time in the studio yeah <laughs> i didn't say that all right let's let's move on to something better than that yeah Wow. So going back to Exodus now, finally. Yes. They have a brand new album that has uh, just come out uh, this month, actually. It came out on the 14th called Blood In, Blood Out. And this, of course, is the first album in how many years um, since 2004, Tempo of the Damned. Yeah. Uh, that features uh, Steve Zetro Souza. And again. it's weird. <laughs> yeah, again, he's back in the band. Um I interviewed Zetro maybe five months ago and it's never been used on this podcast, but I think I'm going to have to just pull out of my, just use it. Yeah. Because I mean, there's definitely talk about, Hey, would you ever rejoin Exodus? And he said, in a heartbeat, I would. (laughs) And apparently he got the call and he's like, fuck, fuck it. I'm in, I'm there. Yeah. I wonder if they had these songs written before he joined or if they, I mean, that's a fast turnaround to, to, to get an album together. It's only been like five months or something, right? I don't know. It's maybe, yeah. I mean, maybe they had parts of it written before, but um, definitely sounds old school. (laughs) Definitely sounds like he belongs. I mean, here's what happened in June. They announced that uh, Rob Dukes was fired from the band. Yeah. The next day, 
they announced that Zetra was already recording the vocals for the album. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. like, they were they were looking for something. We got to get him back in here. And my, my God, man, this album is old school thrash to the, it's back to 1980, you know, 89. It's the song we're going to, the song we're going to play, it's called Blood In, Blood Out. And this is definitely like the spiritual successor to the Toxic Walt. It has the gang vocals, and it's 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 how this, the lyrics about how great the band are. You know, it's it's yeah. it's fucking great, man. It's good that it's a it's a spiritual successor to that album, and not like Impact is imminent, which is I like that album. I do not like that album. Come on, that's a that's a cool album. Whatever, we're no, not. There, there's, there. a, there's a couple cool songs in it, but I I I remember being ma- massively disappointed with that album. But. This album does actually feature Kirk Hammond as well, doing some solos on one of the tracks. Oh, that's pretty cool. So bringing it back, you know, if Chuck Billy's on the album. Yeah. They have some hip hop guy doing like an intro, which is a little weird, but huh. it sort of works. I know it's a, it's a great thrash album. There's been a lot of great retro thrash albums this, just this year, you know? Yeah. Overkill and now the new Exodus. Yeah. And Exodus apparently is touring with Slayer and Suicidal Tendencies. Oh, that's me good. So, man, Gary Holt's going to be... Doing some double duties that night. Oh yeah, that's so right. He's a Slayer now. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. Wow, poor guy. I wonder if Carrie King is okay with that. I guess well, he would be. They got to be. Then he probably invited him on tour. Yeah, yeah. He's like, we're already paying for you to be on tour. Let's just bring the couple other guys, and you're done. Yeah, no. Yeah, that works. <laughs> so let's <laughs> get into the track. Slayer riffs during the Exodus set and confuses everything. Like. Right. <laughs> Starts playing the wrong fucking song. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. All right, so let's get into the track Blood In, Blood Out. We'll be right back. Yes, you have the better 
Hey, welcome back. You were just listening to Exodus, Blood In, Blood Out. Very uh, holiday appropriate. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. We, got, we talked about bloodbath from Guar, no blood in, blood out. We have a theme developing here. Yeah, it's a bloody good time. Yes. So, like we were talking about the lyrics of this song, check this out. I pulled this up. Okay, the chorus is blood in, blood out. All I'm telling you is anything you want to do. That doesn't really make any sense right there, but whatever. Huh. Blood in, blood out. They're the fucking dynasty of, th- of thrash notoriety. Dive in or bow out. If you have the pedigree, welcome to the family. All in or all out. Halfway, no way. Give it all you've got. And I can't say it without trying to sing the song, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, this is my favorite line of the, the song. We wrote the book, so you better know the plot. New breed, old Cree. Let's see what you brought. This shit has turned into a riot. Blood in, blood out. Huh. It's totally fucking old school yeah. lyrics, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm digging that. It's the, it's the kind of stuff that's that um, I'm sure really pumped up the the, guy, the the crowds in the 80s, and now yeah, we're all cynical and everything, and it's just sort of like, ah, oh, that's funny. Come on, you're old school metalheads. You know, you're old school thrashers. Come yeah. on, just be like you used to be. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Get in the pit, you know. You know, because on their, on their, their past, um, on the albums they did after Tempo of the Damned, like, mm-hmm. uh, they had some really, like different approaches to yeah. lyrics and songwriting and they got really uh deep is that fair to say on some of their stuff sure yeah, yeah deep um i yeah i mean they had they had good albums with rob dukes i just was not a fan of him as a vocalist for exodus something just never gelled with me and i've seen him live yeah with some too last year was that was uh anthrax and uh death angel yeah, it. He was a, he was a good vocalist. I I just don't think that he was. Um, he didn't. He wasn't the best vocalist for them. If that makes any sense, he's yep. a good vote. Yeah. Just like the Ripper wasn't really the best vocalist for Judas Priest, you know. Right. Or Iced Earth, for that matter. So. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go there. Yeah. Yeah. But he sounds good, and um, and uh, what was the other thing I heard? Uh, the Ripper, and uh, whatever. We're getting sidetracked. Anyway, anything solo he did was pretty good. Yes, yes, that's true. And the, was it Beyond Fear? Yeah, Beyond Fear was a good album. That yeah. was a good album. Yeah, and of course, there you know the Bruce Dickinson replacement at one point. Bruce Dickinson replacement. When Bruce Dickinson left Iron Maiden originally, yeah, they had that other vocalist, and nobody remembers his name. Oh well. You know, I like I like boys a little bit. So. See, he was not a good fit for Iron Maiden, but his solo shit is actually pretty amazing. Oh, yeah, no, the silicone silicone Messiah. That first boys album, yeah, is just so good, and people never will never believe you until they hear it. No, I you agree. You have to play it for people, basically. We should play some boys on the show one day. One day we'll we'll, we'll do something like that, like an Iron Maiden themed thing or something. Iron Maiden, but no Iron Maiden, no Bruce Dickinson. Like, yeah, like, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll think about it. We'll figure something out. So, um, we're let's start thinking about wrapping up this show. I know we have some Halloween-based music to get into. Yes, not, not, not that we haven't been already, but uh, you know, we have something probably we could play right now. Speaking of Bruce Dickinson, you want to? Yeah, um, this is uh, if you've ever if you had bought the. The two-disc version, it was the limited edition version of his Best Of album that came out in like uh, 2002, yep. a long time ago. Um, he had uh, all these B-sides and you know collected uh, um, demo tracks from 
his throughout his solo career and he put them on this second disc and he had uh, a track where he was doing audio commentary on those and he um, you know talked about like why they were left off the album and stuff and, and anyway towards the end of the commentary track he introduces this next track that gets played called Dracula <laughs> yep that was the literally the very first thing he ever recorded he had answered a, an ad in the Melody Maker I think it was and it was uh, you know these guys looking for a vocalist to complete a recording project and so he went in there he, he called them up he went in there cold he um, I think he learned the lyrics and the song like that hour, like he was there and he did it. There was like this first actual sort recording. Of tell. Yeah. And, and what, um, what year was the song made? It had to be like 77, I think. Wow. Because this was before he joined Samson. Yeah. Actually, this was before shots. Even this was the, this was the, before the band that he was in before Samson. So, um, when you listen to it in, in you listen to the commentary track before if you go on Spotify it's all up there uh, he even makes fun of himself he goes you know like singers will will record something for the, and they'll listen back to their first efforts and they'll go God like yeah it's not that great you know but then if they listen to this maybe they'll go well you know mine is better than that <laughs> so <laughs> at least I got better yeah so uh, it's an interesting little bit of history some metal history that maybe you haven't really heard of yeah it's definitely you had, true. You know, bought that limited edition, but I mean, that second disc of that that uh, best of has a lot of like gems in there that uh, just cool stuff like acoustic ditties that never made the albums. That it's worth checking out. But this is the last song off that disc, and it's very holiday appropriate. And it's just it's interesting. It's a good piece of history. It's uh, Bruce Dickinson's very first recording ever. Dracula. I'm in 
we just heard something really, really old from Bruce Dickinson. <laughs> that is a song called Dracula, and you have Sean to thank for that one. Yeah, it's cool. It's just a cool little piece of history. It is it's a cool piece of history. It's actually not that bad of a song, all things it's, considered. It's very novelty style, though. Yeah, it's novelty, definitely. The yeah. lyrics are stupid, yeah. <laughs> admittedly. I mean, there was, there was a, a shit ton of Bruce Dickinson Halloween tracks we could have picked, you know? Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter. Um, That's a good one. Uh, Fear of the Dark, definitely. Yeah. But, um, I've always, you know... Like, we really need to listen to this. I mean, no, no it's a great no, song. No, no, no. <laughs> but uh, I think our audience knows that See, song. I've been doing these Halloween episodes for like 10 years now, and starting to, okay, we can play... You know, Fear of the Dark by Iron Maiden. We can play like the the version by Grave Worm. We can play this, and yeah. you're starting to. It's like, okay, how many times can we play Halloween by Halloween? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I just this time we're not going to do it. This episode, no. we can't. So I don't know. Sorry. We have a couple more topics to get to, and then we're going to have um, you know one more Halloween track for you for your pleasure yep and then we'll come back and we'll say our goodbyes and where you can find us and all that good stuff our house cleaning as it as it, as you were yep um so the new nightwish album coming out um i'm not a huge nightwish fan so you know more about this than me i'm a i i'm a very much a, a huge nightwish fan and they got uh richard dawkins in the recording studio uh the past week um doing so, something <laughs> richard dawkins from dawkins the uh, band no, Dawkins? No, no, this is not uh, from like the eighties. This Dawkins? isn't. This isn't Don's brother. This is uh, it's not Ri- Don Dawkins. <laughs> this is a uh, uh, Richard Dawkins, the biologist. Right. Um, isn't he? He's a very famous atheist too, right? And and a very contentious, uh, <laughs> controversial guy Outspoken. for his atheist views. Yes. Yeah, which nothing um, wrong with that. No, I mean he. I, I'm not sure what his role is going to be on the new album, but on the last album, Imaginarium. They did have at the end of the last song, "Song of Myself." They did have once the song finished a yeah. five-minute reading of Walt Whitman's "Song of Myself" poem. Okay, weird. Strategically placed at the very end, so if you didn't want to hear it, you didn't have to, yeah. which was smart of them. Um, so hopefully, <laughs> if they're going to do, thank God I wasn't in the middle. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. And so if they do something with Dawkins in that vein, where it's a long reading, hopefully they do the same thing. Keep it at the end. If they, I, I have a feeling they might intersperse it into some music because I read an interview with Holopainen recently where he said that he's been really influenced by reading books by Dawkins and reading, um, like, you know, scientists and stuff like that. Yeah, I know we have some on our bookshelf over here. So, yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. That's cool. I mean, maybe he's just, you know, like, a, is it going to be like Christopher Lee type of thing or. Or is, he, is this going to be like a, you know, here's some, the narrator for the yeah, album or something? I think it know? might be like a narrator type thing. That's cool, though. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that um, these non-metal people are being brought yeah, into these metal albums. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. All right, so um, something got announced today that I, I don't, it's a little weird to me. Okay, so everybody out there knows that Anthrax is one of my favorite bands. I have an anthrax tattoo. I have a not man tattoo on my arm. So, one there for since the nineties, they had a replacement guitar player. His name was Rob Caggiano. Yep. He was also their producer for a long time. He also produced other bands like Cradle of Filth and various other bands. And he finally produced uh, Volbeat for a little while. And then all of a sudden, he joined Volbeat. Yeah. And then he left Anthrax. Right. 
So it got announced today that um, Volbeat is going to be doing a spring tour in like April, May of next year, 2015. And the opening band on the tour is going to be Anthrax. When did Volbeat get bigger than their influence? You know what I mean? Oh, well, Volbeat, Volbeat. I, mean, I know Volbeat is huge. They're huge. Well, but they became big with this last album. It Some of those tracks hit radio hard. Oh, did they? I didn't know that. And so now you see that the, I saw the tour dates listed. They're playing in certain cities. They're actually playing arenas. Oh, wow. When they come here, they're going to be playing a smaller uh, venue, the where Bayou they, Music Center. Um well, it's not a small venue. It's, it's a not pretty small. big venue. It's, it's a couple thousand people, basically. Yeah. But it's you know it's it's not like uh, Toyota Center Arena, right, you know. Right, but right, right. but in certain cities, yeah, they they have markets here in the United States where they're going to be playing basketball arenas. Like, man, that's amazing. It's crazy, and this is a. I when people desc- want me to describe Volbeat to them, it's hard. It's like okay, so take here's how I describe Volbeat: take Danzig, mix it with Elvis, which is already a little bit both the same. Mix it with Social Distortion. Yes. <laughs> mix it with The Misfit. Then throw some Metallica and King Diamond in there, and you got Volbeat. Yeah, no, that's a good, especially the Social Distortion hitting on that. that yeah. But yeah, the Metallica and And like definitely 50s inspired, you know, um, yeah. uh, what's, the, what's the, there's a genre term. I can't Rockabilly. Think of Rockabilly, thank yeah. you. Um, and it all works for him, though. It, it does yeah. work. That new album of theirs is really enjoyable. I, I like that band. I, I'm i not crazy about them. I don't spend a lot of time listening to them, but whenever yeah. I do hear a song of theirs... Uh, I, yeah, I enjoy it. Loa Montez is a great song. Let's just say that. Which one? Loa Montez from the last album. It was like the one of the main singles. Okay, I really like that track Super they did with uh, King Diamond on it. Yes, Next, and that was a great room, song, too. Room 213 or something like yeah, that? Yeah. yeah. That was a good track. That's me a good tour. Um, I think I might actually end up checking that one out myself i think so because i know anthrax is in the process of working on a new album so they should have it out before maybe they'll tour. have an album out or close to that time if they're smart they'll have it out before i just tour. got uh actually one of my birthday presents to myself was scott ian's autobiography yeah I have not started reading it yet i'm trying to finish um i'm i'm pretty close to finishing um the dave ellison autobiography which it's just interesting read. I think it's 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 a lot. It's actually written really well. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Because you know, I was afraid that it's going to be too preachy because you know he's very into religion now. And but the I'm like almost finished with the book, and most of the stories are about his time, you know, growing up, getting into music, being in Megadeth, how they first started out, blah blah blah. And it's a, it's a really good stories. You know, on the behind the music with him, he had yeah. a he had a good memory for things, um, mm-hmm. considering everything he's been through, and and a lot, yeah, a lot of talk about how bad he was in the drugs for a while, yeah, and he yeah. knew it too. He it wasn't like you know a lot of people that are really fucked up on drugs, they don't know that they have a problem. Yeah, and he knew what seemed, and, and you're going to know more than I will about this, but it seemed like he was able to just say, "I'm done." And mm-hmm. walk away from him. He didn't have the constant relapses. Or yeah, anything. there was a there was a point. Uh, it's been like it was like 1990s. The last time he took drugs or something like that. That's impressive. And he was just like, "That's it. I don't want to do drugs anymore." And it was like last yeah. time he ever took a drug. And when you read Mustaine's biography, he he slips in and out of rehab. Yeah. Uh, it's hard, man. I mean, yeah. I've never really been in that situation, but yeah, no, no, no judgments at all. No, I'm no. Saying. But I mean, kudos to Elfson for. Having that sort of internal strength to, to do that, yeah, and it's he seems a, like a nice guy. I, I yeah, I'm I, one of those guys that want to. Apparently, meet. he's one of the nicest guys in the in the music That's business. That's what I hear. Yeah. So yeah, 
And it's a really good, it's a, it's a good read. If you're worried about it being too preachy and over religious, it's just really not. It's just, you know, it's just written because now that's, that's his life now, you know, yeah. and he has kids yeah. and he's really into his religion. That's fine for him. Yeah. But it, he's not like, oh, you have to be like me. You know, right. it's nothing like that. It's about his life. Speaking of uh, Megadeth, man, I really hope that works out for uh, all that stuff going on with Dave Mustaine and his uh, his mother and mother-in-law. Mother-in-law still, she's still, still missing? Still missing. That sucks. I mean, yeah, hopefully true. that works out. You, yeah, I'm not going to say anything bad. Yeah. I was going to make a bad joke, but I'm going I'm no, to <laughs> stop doing that. I held myself back a little bit. <laughs> Good. Um. What else do we have to tour about? Talk about tour about tour. About. What are we touring about tonight? Um, you know, I would. Uh, I got to mention the, the new Blind Guardian single. How excited I am for that! Are you <laughs> just, really? Yeah, just uh, Blind Guardian albums and, and singles are an event, and it's it's every four years. And December, put it this way: the, the that second week of December can't get here soon enough. Twilight of the Twilight of the Gods, Blind Guardian. I'm so excited. Right. Uh, I've saw I've, all I've seen is the cover art so far. They haven't released any samples, but man, I am so pumped up for that. Um, I guess to wrap it up on a on a sad note, um, if you are a fan of Housecore Records, or if you've gone to the uh, Housecore Horror Film Festival, which actually just wrapped up this weekend in New Orleans, um, sad news this actually happened today. Uh, Co-founder Corey Mitchell, who's also he's also a true crime uh, author, published author, uh, passed away, had oh, a heart attack. Uh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, it's um, you know the couple days like the day after the event ended, and he passes away. Man, it's sad news. Really sad news. Have you uh, been to that festival? I have not. I wanted to go this year. I mean, it's 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 amazing. It's like heavy metal. It's fucking metal bands with like horror movies, and they have like. Q and A's and panels with like, it looks really really cool. Yeah, I mean they do a great job. This is the second year I think they've done it, but hopefully they don't give up and they and Phil Anselmo keeps up with it because that was one of you know his main thing. You know. Yeah. I don't know, but I, you know, if you, I never met the guy. I didn't really know him personally, but uh, you know, when another metalhead like that who's really into promotion and you know making metal look good, yeah, passes away, it's a sad thing, man. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of making metal look bad, I was. Have you watched Gossam yet? No, no. Okay, so not to geek out too much, Gossam, of course, is the story of Jim Gordon, uh, Commissioner Gordon, when he was younger, and blah blah blah, and you know the young Bruce Wayne. Well, I watched the second episode today, and you know, of course, not to spoil anything, but his parents get shot, right? <laughs> and uh, in the second episode, uh, Bruce Wayne is all acting angsty and emo, and he like hold his hand over the fire to burn himself so he could feel something right. and be all emo. And, you know, Jim Gordon commissioner or detective Gordon goes over there to talk to him. And there's one point where he's, he has his headphones on and he's acting all angsty and guess what he's listening to heavy metal music. Oh, I was like way to feed the stereotype of yeah. making heavy metal the bad guy again. Come on, Fox. Did they show him listening to the music before his parents got killed? No. No, of course not. Well, the, the he was a church got, boy before. They, 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 right. <laughs> parents get killed, you you jam some heavy metal and you become yeah. evil and you shop at Hot Topic. Yeah. But oh well, oh, well, well. I don't know. It just sort of annoyed me. I'm like, really? Do they have to go that way? It's just like the Hollywood, you know, mentality of yeah. looking at heavy metal. It's Oh, it's only, you know, 
for horror movies or it's it's a bad thing or you know it just annoys me man it's the go-to genre of choice for uh hollywood misfits uh yeah in in tv if you're movies. really depressed and and down like that you'd be listening to some you know yeah. pop music or something yeah you would figure they would choose emo as like the go- right the like cure the new, would be like yeah. the cure Right, yeah, or on. bright eyes, or something like really, really like awful bright eyes. The, the super de- don't listen to them; they're god awful. Never even heard of them. Yeah, I haven't. I guess I've never been that depressed. <laughs> no, no, I just you know I hear these things in passing. At least okay, they, you know, or black veil brides or some uh, no horrible no. crap. I don't, I don't want to listen to them. Oh my god! I scrolled up on the page that I was on. There's an ad for Black Veil Bride. That's, uh, that's scaring me more than anything we played on the Halloween episode. Frightening thing, yeah. So uh, let's play one last track for the evening, and we'll come back and we'll say our goodbyes. Okay. So uh, what do we have left? We have um, Alice Cooper. Yes. What gets more? What's more horror themed and Halloweeny, Halloweeny, Halloweeny than Alice Cooper? He just put out a double live album from uh, Wacken of this year. Hmm. I'm sorry, Valken. Uh Pretty cool album, man. He does um, some covers of like the Beatles and like the Doors and stuff like that. But how can you not play He's Back, The Man Behind the Mask? Yeah. I mean, that's one of the... It's a perfect song to play, man. Let's do it. So, of course, you know, this song is from Friday the 13th, part six or seven? One of those? Yes. One of those. So it's uh, it's <laughs> definitely fits into our our topic of the evening. So... Alice Cooper will uh, end our episode and we'll be back in just a few minutes. Oh, 
listening to some Alice Cooper live at Vakken. 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 Well, I was talking to, uh, we were just talking about this on the Metal Geeks podcast the other day. My co-host there, Dave, who's been on this show, one of his bucket list things is going to Vakken. Oh man, me too. I would love to, man. Yeah, one day. One day. We'll, we'll have to do that. What do you think about um, the 70,000 tons of metal crews? As a as a substitute, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably a little bit easier a to do affordable substitute. It's probably a lot different than the cruise I just took. Yeah, but I, yeah, I would, see, I would, love I, to I would do always that, be worried about like I thought about it. It's like I think I might get tired of hearing music when I'm because the bears bands playing like apparently all the time, even when you're trying to sleep. Yeah, yeah. From what I heard, there's uh, you know, okay, so. Um, all the other the previous ones have been on the seventy thousand ton. They've been on smaller ships. Yeah. So now they're going to be on like a hundred forty thousand ton ship, right? Which is bigger than the one I was just on. The one I was like on was like a hundred thirty or something like that, which is pretty fucking big. Yeah. So um, that means instead of forty bands over like a four day period, there's going to be like sixty bands. Man. And all the bands play like two to three times, right. and you know. But I've I really want to go, man. One I, day, one day for both. What about what about next year, January, January twenty second to twenty sixth, two thousand fifteen. Leaving out of Fort Lauderdale. We shall see. What if I name some band that you might be? Well, I know Blind Guardian will be playing, right? Nope, they're, they're not playing. No, anymore. they're playing this year. No, they're playing. Okay. So you you have bands such as Alestorm, Amorphous, Annihilator. Any band that would make you really go? Uh, Annihilator. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Arch Enemy, Apocalyptica, yeah. Behemoth, uh, Blind Guardian, oh. Cannibal Corpse. Oh, man. Uh, Ironherger. Yeah. Insepharum, God Dethrone Reunion Show, Grave Digger, Heezen, In Extremo, uh, Lake of Tears, Corpaclani, Cataclysm, Michael Schenker. That's weird. Man, it really is such a good package. Municipal Waste, Napalm Death, Origin, Primal Fear, Tank, Therion. Here's where, here's where I want to go. Threshold is playing. Oh, that's cool. Man, and Therion would be amazing. Triosphere and Zentrix. Who, wow. Man, it's like A to Z of fucking metal in I'm, every well, genre. For me, I'm, it's just it's just so good that for the, at least um, the you know American fans that there's something within ra- reach range. You mm-hmm. know that you don't if you can't if you can never make it to Vakken, well here's this. You know you can just get to Florida. If you can just get to Florida, <laughs> you can make it. Right. So if you can um, make the, if you make it in Florida, you can make it anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I would love Vakken would be important just because it would be like. Um, as corny as it sounds, almost like a spiritual experience just to be over there, yeah. I think, you know. I think so. 
I mean, I really, from like, I've talked to some of the guys from November's Doom who've been on the shows before and talking to them about playing the 70,000 tons a couple times. It's like, you know, like one of their shows was like on the, the Lido deck where they're, they set up a stage out by the pool area and yeah. people just in the pool and the hot tubs and jamming out the metal and stuff. Yeah. That's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I don't know, man. All right, so uh, thanks for tuning in to our annual sort of Halloween episode. Yes. Usually we uh, play nothing but Halloween tracks, and but this, of course, is our new new format of the show. Yep. And hopefully you enjoy our new sound this evening. We are uh, stepping up our game a little bit. It's only been 10 years, you know. Fancy new equipment. Fancy new equipment. Fancy new voices. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. So uh, where can people find you? Um, at, uh, at the metal pigeon on Facebook and Twitter and, um, the metal pigeon at gmail.com. Cool. And of course you can find, um, everything about MSR cast. First off, you can go to iTunes, subscribe to MSR cast or look for metal injection MSR cast, or just the metal injection feed. will get you our show as well as all the other shows through the metal injection radio podcast network please rate the show please rate and yeah do give reviews rate do all that cool stuff uh find us on the web metalgeeks.net is the main site um where you can find all the new episodes of this show as well as the metal geeks podcast you can find us on instagram you can find us on twitter and you can find us on facebook um should we be on snapchat is that a thing still should we be doing that? Um, no, I don't okay. want to, No. No. I'm not a 15-year-old girl. <laughs> so, um, thanks for tuning in to our Halloween episode. Uh, we played, you know, killer, killer heavy metal this evening. Yes. See what I did there? Yeah. And, of course, like I said, we're not playing any Halloween-based music that ha- songs that have the name Halloween in it, especially any by the band... Halloween. Yeah, I mean, it had its time. It's it's done. I, yeah, I mean, I think it's it been over course. overplayed, and yeah, so we're just not going to do that anymore. No. So.
Thanks for listening to another fine podcast brought to you by MSR Productions. All rights reserved, blah, 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 blah. For reviews, archives of our podcasts, and all your other metal geekery needs, please visit MSRcast.com. Metal or die! Let's enter metal all the time! Yeah!